Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm Will Sherlin, and on this week's episode, we'll be looking at starting the innovation process, the concept of an innovation burst event and its potential benefits, why severe time constraints when prototyping can actually boost creativity, and how to know when it's time for you to find a new cow path. Here with us today to discuss those topics and more is Mike Shapolsky. Mike is a product development executive with 15 plus years of experience leading product development teams. In 2014, Mike was named the number one innovation blogger in the world by innovationexcellence.com. He was a Six Sigma at GE when the company started its Six Sigma efforts, and he has a PhD in engineering from the Worcester Polytechnic Institute, where he also belongs to the Athletics Hall of Fame for his exploits on the baseball field. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Will. I'm excited. Definitely. So, so us too. Let's start off today talking about starting. It's something that you write about a good bit. How did your work lead you to focus on the initial steps in the innovation process? You know, you, you try to do innovation, and you, and you look around and figure out, try to figure out why it's not happening. Um, and what I, what I came to was, uh, you know, if it if it started, you know, you had a chance. But uh, the biggest problem was, you know, there was nothing going on, uh, so there was basically no starting. And the rule is, if you don't start, you can't finish. And so. While I do focus on, you know, improving things and making things uh, go faster and better, a lot of my work is around helping people recognize when they haven't yet started. And then from there, once you recognize that, there are ways that you can start. Yeah, and you've, you've written about the importance of, of answering some questions before you get started on an innovation journey. What are some of the questions you think it's important for any company to have fleshed out before they start moving down that road of creating a new product? Yeah, I maybe have a little backward view on it. To, to me, uh, the destination is not the important part. The important part is where you're starting from. And let me explain why that is. Um, you know, there is no such thing as a clean sheet of paper. And wherever, wherever you're starting. You've got to know what you have in place, uh, what has worked, what is working, uh, what's missing, uh, and, you know, then and only then can you talk about what's the next kind of evolutionary step or where are the potential areas uh, to build from. So, yeah, ultimately in the back of your mind you can have this destination kind of floating out there but you don't make a beeline for it. First, you figure out what you have and what you can build on. So in that sense, uh, you know, it's not define the end game, define where you are, and then put a line between the two and head that way. That's just not how it works. And so, so what would some of the questions be you think that companies need to think about or people need to think about so that they can uh, get moving on that road but not necessarily begin with the end in mind? Well, um, I would start with me, why? why. Why are you asking me to innovate? And, and typically, you, you get down to, or you should get down to, some sort of a business objective. 
for example, why are we innovating? Well, we have um, a sales uh, problem in uh, Europe, and really uh, that's an important market for us going forward. And uh, you know, we know the products that are in the fields now, and we really need something new and different if we're going to kind of meet our growth objectives in, in the European market. So before the what, it's like, why are we doing this? And, and that's important because directionally, you know, people have got to be walking around with, with this grounded, like, mission inside them saying, hey, we're trying to build out Europe. We're, they, you know, this is, you know, where, this is where our focus is. This is what's behind all this. And if you have that kind of aligning force uh, behind, behind it, this aligning why, um, your con- consistency of purpose and uh, continuity and working together, it, it, it's all better. Yeah, so it can kind of help crystallize the vision for where everybody wants to go and the direction they, they should be striving toward. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, a lot of us work in, um, you know, dot-coms, people that, uh, companies that uh, need to make money, right? It's all about, you know, whether it's stock price or profitability. I mean, if you can't tie innovation to uh, a business objective, a financial business objective, then, then you know, I'm not sure why you're doing it. And the more explicit you can do that, meaning tie it to a financial business objective, uh, the better things are. Because when you do that, everyone is, the whole organization is designed uh, explicitly for that, for, for making money. And when the company sees this innovation, whatever it is, mm-hmm. as a means, as a mechanism, as an amplifier to this business objective, you know, things just line up. Yeah. So let me ask about about the IBE, because you have a very prescriptive way of kicking off the innovation process. IBE stands for Innovation Burst Event. What is an Innovation Burst Event, and what does it entail? Well, first of all, I made it up. Well, I, didn't, I made up the letters. They're, they're good letters, and it sounds good. Um, you know, it, it's kind of coupled to, to this starting business. The, the idea of an innovation burst event is, is not that, you know, innovation happens in, in a single shot. It's actually a way to kind of either jumpstart or boost. So it's, it's a, it's a one-day event that takes a lot of planning, actually. Uh, and w- what it does is you identify some kind of uh, fertile ground for market you identify some fertile ground for technology all beforehand. You identify the, the, a cross-functional uh, kind of broad group who will participate. And then you structure what I call uh, design challenges uh, intended to uh, force people from the familiar uh, that, that take in mind the, the potential fertile market ground, uh, the fertile technology, and and uh, use uh, very concrete, uh, specific design challenges where small groups of maybe five or six people have very limited, actually unreasonably short amount of time to uh, complete this design challenge in the order of 10 minutes. And uh, you, you set up uh, constraints such that the, uh, the normal thinking of the day won't cut it. They, they, 
by intent or by design, these challenges force people, uh, prevent them from using the tools, methods, uh, in the ways that they know. And this idea of uh, a very difficult uh, a foreign problem solved in an unreasonably uh, short amount of time actually helps them break their intellectual inertia. With that, there's no real expectation that the things that they come up with have to work. Who in their right mind would expect something to work with a 10-minute problem of a borderline impossible problem? But what happens is they end up coming up with ideas that actually could work because it helps people uh, uh, lift off the filters of reasonableness, of, uh, of uh, it could actually work kinds of things. And um, it's actually the antithesis uh, of brainstorming in that you go, the objective is uh, maybe a handful, three to five of highly, highly creative ideas around uh, predefined kind of quadrants or directions of fertile ground. And what that does is it, it, it helps come up with actually the, um, concepts that have meat and that are kind of pre-aligned with where the business uh, wants to go. And, you know, none of, none of us need um, a, a, a more complete or longer list of ideas. We have enough ideas. And the objective of the IDE, the Innovation Burst event, is to come up with highly creative, novel ideas uh, that have meat, that have structure, or that, that are in line with where the, the company and the business unit uh, wants to go. And at the end of this Innovation Burst event, this, this day, there's a report out to the, the leadership of the company that has kind of uh, pre-agreed to, hey, if there's a meaningful idea that comes with this, we're going to allocate some resources and, and test its viability. So in one day, it's, hey, let's solve some new problems in new ways. Uh, these solutions, by definition, will be highly creative. And we're going to report back in the same day to the folks that can allocate the resources to things that they find interesting. Okay, nice. And, and do you have any anecdotes or examples you could share of the kinds of things people have dreamed up in these 10-minute uh, yeah, bursts that maybe you would think like, okay, that could never be done, but they actually did a little bit of research after the fact and found that, that it could be done and, in fact, should be done? Uh, yeah, well, one example is maybe non-traditional is, uh, you know, there are voice of the customer programs where, you know, you have these long campaigns, you know, you interview, uh, you know, 50 customers and, you, you know, ask them standard questions and you, then you compile the data and then you have all these themes and then six months later you report out on some findings. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did a burst event where we said, okay, the constraint is, you know, we have a new product coming, and you only get one VOC event. You only get one trip. Um, put together the trip, the actual trip you would do, or the, the mechanisms in place that you would do to get as much voice of the customer input in one day. And, and people said, that's, you know, you, that's crazy. 
Well, of course it's crazy, because we already know how to do the voice of the customer the way we do it. We're looking for new ways. So, you know, you've got 10 minutes, and then there's some, you know, there's complaining, and it's okay, now you have nine minutes. And what came of it was some very novel uses of uh, non-airline uh, ticket uh, ways to get uh, customer input. They came up with a, an approach that was, uh, okay, if we're going to go into one place, we're going to uh, evaluate not just this one little value-added piece that we have, but it's upstream from that and downstream from that. We want to talk to everybody associated with this one little thing that we do. So the, the notion was, you know, get, get uh, kind of broad if you're going to go. And then let's use some technology. Uh, video. Um, an example was, you know, we'll have a video call, and then somebody said, "Well, no, let's have one of our salespeople who goes there all the time, okay, walk with the end user customer holding a video camera, and and essentially separating in time where the marketing folks and the engineering folks could could actually see." Uh, uh, you know, what this end-user customer was doing, what they were talking about. Now, they couldn't interact uh, real-time, but they could virtually be there after the fact with a video. Yeah, that's a, a great way to get user empathy, actually see through their eyes. Yeah, and, you know, uh, you could even do it without a salesperson. So what they, what they learned was there, there are some new ways that you can get customer input that don't require, you know, a six-month voice of the customer campaign and a million uh, flight miles and, you know, a six-month program. Yeah. Okay, so so let me ask you about an acronym that you've written about, so I'm using your work, Mike. It's T-R-I-Z. Can you share some yeah. background information on what exactly T-R-I-Z is with listeners? <laughs> yeah. T-R-I-Z is pronounced trees like uh, T-R-E-E-Z. Okay. It's, a, it's an, uh, an acronym, of uh, uh, a Russian acronym, uh, that, that stands for, in English translation, uh, the theory of inventive problem solving. Um, it, was, uh, it started or, uh, in the mid-1940s by a guy named Altshuler, who uh, in the Soviet Union... Uh, uh, um, evaluated uh, an inordinate amount of patents and took these patents and, and made themes, lines of evolution, you know, common themes across all industries where, it, uh, where uh, there were patterns of technological systems evolving along certain lines. And uh, then uh, in order to break what, uh, what's called intellectual inertia, there, there are these methods to actually fully, completely define a problem in a way that there's uh, exact clarity on what is going on. And it's not only um, what is going on, but when it's going on. So the idea of a, a problem uh, is between two things in the system. What are those two things? And when do they happen? When in time? And... Uh, then the, there's an element of it that has these general standards of solutions formed from an analysis of these patents that I 
that I mentioned before, where you can take a problem and make it generic, and then trees would suggest different approaches based on historical uh, solutions of similar or maybe even unrelated uh, problems. And uh, what I have found was uh, it's very effective in helping people uh, either solving uh, the same problems in new ways, but maybe more powerfully, uh, seeing different problems and solving them in different ways. So that's it in a nutshell. But, you know, it's a fully built-out language, uh, philosophy, uh, and approach. And, uh, you know, uh, it's been kind of, I don't know, it's been difficult, I think, to bring it into uh, into the U.S. uh, uh, because of the kind of connotations of, you know, being from Russia and also some of the language is, is its own and, and it takes some work, but uh, super powerful. Okay, nice. So let me ask you about uh, about a, uh, an ebook that's on your site at chapolsky.com. There's a free download to an ebook that's called Product, Process, People, Designing for Change. And one of the chapters in the book is called quote unquote, when it's time for a new cow path. So what are some, yeah. what are some common signs that listeners should be on the lookout for that would alert them to the fact that it's time for a new cow path? Well, uh, I don't know if everyone's familiar with a cow, with a cow path, but if you know, you've seen cows uh, and there's these deep worn paths uh, in, in the fields where they wind around and cross and, and you can't really make much sense out of them. And the cows follow them. That's what cows do. If they've got to go to the watering hole, they take the path to the watering hole. Now, it may go in a very uh, <laughs> undirect way, but that's what they do. And, uh, and you know what? We're not cows, but we can, we can fall into these ruts of uh, success or, you know, that really kind of limit our thinking in a way that we don't realize our thinking is limited. So if you find yourself, you know, uh, if you think about tomorrow and you can kind of predict the things that will happen, um, you, you may need a, a new cow path. If you, over the next, uh, if you look at your new product that you haven't launched yet and you say, you know, it's a lot like the, uh, the old one. If you like the old one, you're going to like the new one. You know what? Maybe it ain't really new and you need a new cow path. So if people aren't actually questioning, say, uh, things that have worked in the past and you end up just doing what you've done, you may need a new cow path. And they're hard to see because often they're the, they're the worn paths of success. Actually, the, the things that have gone well define the cow path. But at some point, you know, that's no longer the thing that has to get done. You know what? It may, may, you know the watering hole is going empty, and it's and your your path still goes there. So. Did, um, yeah. Sorry, not not to not to cut you off. Um, but okay, so I think one thing that it's safe to say is has kind of wound its way into the uh, corporate lexicon cow path is brainstorming sessions. So yeah. why, why, in your opinion, if listeners hear the words brainstorming session in a corporate setting, should they turn tail and run as fast as they can and find a new cow path? Well, because it doesn't work. 
but in all seriousness, and I touched on it earlier, <clears throat> uh, brainstorming is is uh, unguided, unbounded. Uh, uh, and one of the methods is let's go for the most ideas possible and let's not judge them at all, which is actually the opposite of what you want. We have enough ideas. Any kind of problem-solving creativity session should be bounded and guided with uh, business objectives, either market, technology, both. Um, and so the output of um, a brainstorming session is a lot of ideas that are disjointed, unrelated, and that no one is ever going to do anything with. And, and you know, I, I can't ask your listeners now, but um, if you were asking them to put their hands up, how many actually uh, have benefited uh, dramatically from a brainstorming event? I, it's, a, it's actually a waste of time. Um, you know, it may be uh, politically incorrect to say that uh, in your company, but we all know it's true. And so um, if, you, if you're uh, asked to do a brainstorming session, you know, ask, okay, tell us uh, kind of in a, in a guided way, in a, in a first principles way, or in a market technology way, what we're trying to achieve. Where, where should we look? And if you can't tell me who's going to do something with these ideas after we create them, I don't want to waste my time. Don't, let's not waste anybody's time. And, you know, you ask those two questions, and you're, you're likely going to get, we don't really know, it's up to you to define what this is all about. And, geez, no one, we didn't really think about what we're going to do with these ideas after we get them. Yeah. Okay, so, so let me ask you about another, another thing that you've written about, some that you may take a contrarian view to, you know, to some folks out there. You wrote in a blog post last year that planning is wasteful, or planning is waste, rather. So why do you think that planning should be bypassed on the whole? Well, uh, I, I don't think it should be bypassed on the whole. Okay. So I have a lean background, and there's, there's uh, waste that you, know, you, you can eliminate um, and uh, there's no problem with it. And there's some waste you need because it enables the value-added stuff. And, and planning falls into the latter category, meaning uh, customers won't buy your plan. They won't pay for anything. Uh, now, does the plan define what you're going to do, and then you, know, you can develop a new product and sell it? Yes. So because it's waste, you should treat it as such and that you should uh, put some time limits on it, meaning uh, let's limit the amount of time we're going to spend on planning. And, in, and from that standpoint, it's actually required waste, but it's waste. And then taking from the lean uh, um, philosophy, this idea of a one big chunk plan uh, every year is ludicrous because you know, a month after you put your yearly plan together, it's out of date. So why not, why not uh, limit the amount of planning you can do in one month to a reasonable, like, one day, and then plan every month? So in that way, your plan is always uh, uh, in line with reality, and you've limited the amount of waste, and you end up getting a good bang for the buck in that, in that regard. Okay, nice. So let me ask you about two of the most powerful sentences in the English language, Mike. Thank, yep. thank you for your amazing work. And what kind of pizza do you want? 
Oh, good. Yeah, those are powerful. Um, <laughs> so why are well, they so powerful? And, and, well, and well, be, go ahead. Because they're powerful because we need more amazing work. And, and one of the best ways I know to get more amazing work is when somebody does it to praise them publicly for it. Thank you for your amazing work means, hey, I'm watching. Uh, you did something that was different. I like that, uh, and I'm willing to put myself out there and say, wow, that was amazing. I like it. Yeah. And when people see that and hear that, one, they feel good because, you know, you recognize the amazing work. And the people around them say, hey, he's watching. He, he is actually positively reinforcing amazing work. Maybe I will stop some of my uh, uh, continuous improvement work and try some amazing work and see what happens. So that's one part. The other part is, you know, we, we severely underestimate the power of pizza. So <laughs> what's a pizza cost? The pizza costs 15 bucks or something like that. Two pizzas, uh, 30 bucks. So when a team or a group does something that you think is really good and you're thankful, what you do is you call up the leader uh, and you say, listen, your group did an amazing job on XYZ. You know, you, in fact, we couldn't, we couldn't be anywhere close to where we are because of your work. It, 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 amazing. So uh, I'm, going to, I'm inviting you and your team uh, to a, a, a celebration lunch. And uh, what I need to know is how many people are coming. And what kind of pizza do you want? And, and, and the rest is kind of magic. The, 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 the single most important thing, though, is when you have the, when you have the pizza celebration, there's two, there's two agenda items. One is uh, thank you for your amazing work. Okay? And two, let's eat. <laughs> and, and it's not a, a working lunch. It's not let's squeeze more stuff out of people. It's sharing in the, the, the uh, recognition and acknowledgement of amazing work. And pizza, for 30 bucks, okay, you've made some friends, right? Yeah. And the next time you ask that group for, for anything, they're like, I'm in. And it'll cost you two pizzas. Nice. Love it. Okay, Mike, we're, we're getting a little low on time toward the end of the half hour. Any final parting words of wisdom for listeners out there that may be looking to take the plunge and get started on their own innovation journey? Yes, I do. Um, uh, creativity creates things that are novel and useful. And innovation uh, takes those creative things and, if successful, becomes innovation. So innovation creates things that are novel, useful, and successful, things that maybe make your company money. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Um, creativity and innovation start with different. If, it, if it's not novel, if it's not different, it can't be creative and it can't be innovative. Um, try something under the radar that is different and make it so that if it doesn't work, no one cares. But if it does work, do more of it. And if it doesn't work, try something else under the radar. And in that way, 
you're not bound with, oh, you know, this is uh, a too big of an investment and all that. No, you have some bit of control over what you work on. Do a little bit of different and then roll it in, into something that's bigger. Okay, nice. Great advice and a great note to close on. Mike, I'm going to try something a little bit creative to wrap this episode up. You were in the WPI Hall of Fame for your exploits on the baseball field, as we mentioned. I want to see if I can if I can throw one past you. So okay. I've put uh, it's a 0-2 count. I've put actually one two count. Two balls on the outside corner and then brushed you back. What's coming next? Uh, a curveball on the outside corner, I think. Yeah, curveball low and away in the dirt. You took it. All right, what's coming next? Uh, uh, back up inside again. <laughs> Okay, 3-2. How about now? Change up in the dirt. Ah, you walked, and that is why you have a great on-base percentage. Mike, (laughs) thank you for your amazing work today. Uh, Well, my pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Mike Shapolsky, you can visit his website at shapolsky.com. That's S-H-I-P-U-L-S-K-I.com. Mike also posts often on innovationexcellence.com where he was rated the top-ranked innovation blogger of 2014. You can also follow Mike on Twitter at at Mike Shapolsky. Thanks once again to Mike Shapolsky for joining us this week, and thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to tune into next week's episode, when we're excited to welcome back to the podcast Stanford lecturer Dr. Timothy Chow. He'll be talking about his new trilogy on cloud computing, And we'll cover topics like how cloud computing is changing the world of software development, why software costs so much more to maintain than it does to build, and why service is the delivery of information that's personal and relevant to you. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. The Innovation Engine podcast is recorded, produced, edited, and published each week by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information on the company or our services, please visit our website at www.threepillarglobal.com.